Hello, Mississippi and beyond, and welcome to another edition of the Justify Your Existence podcast. We're talking all things Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and may even throw in some SEC. I am Parrish Alford with the Daily Journal, and I'm joined by our Ole Miss beat writer, Michael Katz, and Theo DeRosa, who covers Mississippi State for the Columbus Commercial Dispatch. Guys, how are you? I'm good. It's uh, another day in paradise. Excited uh, to have. Uh, it's crazy that we're already in the almost in the SEC slate of things. It's it's like I feel like we were just SEC media days, and now it's almost October, and it's pretty soon it's going to be baseball season. That's just how this works. Well, hey, for those of us, go ahead, Theo. For those of us who have already started SEC play and <laughs> now are going back out of SEC play, it's kind of a weird feeling. Mississippi State, you know, just played at LSU. Now they're taking a week off for Bowling Green. But it's good to be back home after trips to Tucson and Baton Rouge, that's for sure. Yeah, it is good to be home a little bit. I know that uh, home is uh, is a good feeling. Michael, you brought up baseball. Um, maybe we'll get an SEC baseball schedule. You know, they, uh, they brought one out and then they had to walk it back and uh, – so that's interesting. You don't see that a whole lot, but uh, that that'll get out uh, at uh, at some point. Um, yeah, it is. It's it's been good to be home for a little stretch. And both of these teams are home this week. And and this is a uh, an interesting question I thought about with regard to uh, Ole Miss at home against Tulsa, Mississippi State at home against Bowling Green. And um, as we look at these teams, which of these has the the more likely or the more possible trap game is Bowling Green a trap opponent or is Tulsa more of a trap opponent? So what, what do y'all think? I would say Tulsa is probably more of a trap opponent. It sounds like they have one of the best passing offenses in the country, you know, decent defense, maybe Ole Miss should be able to put up points and Ole Miss's defense has been pretty good so far. As far as Mississippi state, I really don't see Bowling Green being that much of a trap game. They're experienced, you know, they just beat Marshall. But I think going into an SEC program and winning is a lot bigger challenge. And I think Tulsa is the better team. I think Ole Miss is also the better team. But I think uh, Mississippi State should have not that much of a problem against Bowling Green. Michael, Rebel's going to get trapped? Uh, so I've I, I thought about this. And I definitely think it's – and this is like not like the greatest comparison point because of how the first three games have gone. But this is definitely the best team they've played. And – um, I, you know, the defense, the numbers are staggering and, uh, you know, a, a shutout against Georgia Tech will do that. Um, but you know, the defense has been great, but, uh, this is a team, a Tulsa team that averages 43 points a game. They have the number one passing offense, like Theo said, in the country, the quarterback leads the nation. I think he's tied for the national lead in touchdown passes. Um, I, I in a lot of ways, this game it kind of feels like the Tulane game last year, hopefully not with the weather delays. Uh, that, that's my biggest concern. Um, but, you know, like there was a lot of talk about, because like Tulane last year had almost beaten Oklahoma and everyone's like, oh, this Tulane team is like really good. Like maybe this is, this could be something. And then Ole Miss beat them by like 30. Um, it, it, I, it, I feel like it could kind of be one of those kind of games where I, I, I think Tulsa is going to score some points. But that defense is not good. Um, all four of their sacks this season came against Jacksonville State last week. Um, they have a problem getting to the quarterback. They don't defend the run particularly well. Ole Miss is going to put up a ton of points. Uh, I just don't think that Tulsa is going to be able to hang. I, I, they're going to put up more than 4.3, which is what Ole Miss has given up right now. 
but I, it, it, this feels like the kind of game where, you know, it looks maybe more challenging than it really is. Uh, I, I think it ends up being a pretty a two, three touchdown kind of win. Which quarterback is a better fit for that kind of game if you're Ole Miss? Um, I mean, I, I, I've, I've been on the Jackson Dart train for uh, the, the whole time. I, I think if, if, you know, if you're looking at them, you can say what you want about them as passers. I think Jackson did look really good in that third quarter against Georgia Tech. Um, but what he adds in the running game, I think, is really, really big um, because as we saw against Georgia Tech, a lot more designed runs um and he he can make things happen when you have that going along with Evans and Judkins it's it, it's a pretty devastating combination so um I think in a game like this where I think Ole Miss is going to w- want to run the ball under most scenarios uh I, th- I think Dart is, is 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 definitely the this is probably the guy who, who fits the situation better but for right now another week of quarterback at Ole Miss is Dartmeyer you know with uh, n- nobody named um, interesting though, I think this game, Michael, could lend itself more to uh, Altmaier playing because um, Tulsa's going to score a little bit. I think they're going to get in the end zone. Now, as as much as that offense is, has been good for Tulsa, they still almost lost uh, at Wyoming, and uh, and they did lose somebody. Who who they lose to? They lost to Wyoming. Okay, lost to Wyoming. Came back and, and I don't have it in front of beat somebody. Hold they, on. they beat Northern Illinois by three, and then they beat Jacksonville State. But no, this is where my my uh, experience in the Mountain West all comes back around. Uh, having played Wyoming, um, listen, I I I love Wyoming, and um, that football program was really good to me. But if Wyoming's putting up forty on you, uh, your defense has probably got some issues um, because this is a Wyoming team. I think against other FBS teams is averaging like 12 points a game. Um, so the defense is going to be susceptible. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, I, th- I think it'll be a good challenge for Ole Miss to face this kind of passing offense. Theo, let's go back to uh, State and, and Bowling Green, because if you use this, uh, I believe it was described to me maybe in the eighth grade as the transitive property. Uh, Bowling Green uh, defeats uh, Marshall, which defeats Notre Dame which all of the media loves, and all of a sudden uh, there's a formula out there where Bowling Green is the national champion, right or wrong? Maybe not national champion, but definitely that's an important transitive win for them. And if transitive wins can be extended another degree, Mississippi State would have it if they do beat Bowling Green. Bowling Green looked pretty good in that win against Marshall. I think that was an overtime game. Of course, the week before they lost to Eastern Kentucky in seven overtimes. So it's give or take with them. They were leading UCLA, I think, 17-7 to in the Rose Bowl. The Bowling Green beat writer I spoke with was kind of warning that, hey, Bowling Green might jump out early, get ahead early, but probably won't hang with Mississippi State for the rest of the game. So we could definitely see that. But it's not an awful team by any means. I know they were one of the worst in FBS last year, but I think they've improved from last year. Of course, I don't still think they're a match for Mississippi State. And I think State will handle it pretty easily. But you could see Bowling Green kind of shock some people at the beginning maybe if not and the state gets out to an early lead it probably headed for a blowout yeah offensive numbers are not good for this team and and when I think of trap games as we were discussing uh yeah the just the passing productivity that you see from Tulsa makes you you think that it, it makes you respect you should respect all opponents but I think this will be 
the strongest non-conference team uh, that Ole Miss has faced. Um, and the passing game will, will be a, a big challenge. The Bowling Green game as a trap game, I think it's more about Mississippi State and their mindset coming off a disappointing loss uh, at LSU. I mean, I, I've covered a lot of games in Baton Rouge, and I have seen Team Mississippi, whether that's been Ole Miss or Mississippi State, leave there with a nice win from time to time. Okay, it, it does happen. But I'm not sure that I ever went down to Baton Rouge for a game where the team that I was going down to cover before the game was thought by many to be the better team and should win. I mean, that that part of, uh, of Mississippi versus LSU was, I think, the first time. And that was the feeling. I mean, I think in reality, I think a lot of people considered that a toss-up game. But even to go down there to Baton Rouge and the game be considered a toss-up was a win, you know, for, for Mississippi State, you know, or Ole Miss most seasons. So it was a different LSU team. And, and I looked at that game, Theo, and as it was playing out, and uh, and I've gone back, just there was just so much self-inflicted damage for State. Just, you know, it just felt like a win left on the table there. Uh, I look at uh, at line play, and I think, okay, this was clearly – this was a talent issue. Uh, LSU's defensive line – was better than State's offensive line. And State had some success uh, when they got the ball out of Will Rogers' hands quickly. Uh, they had some success working the perimeter uh, in the passing game. But the dropped passes, and I don't want to just pile on the receivers here because I thought there were a lot of other mistakes, but the dropped passes led to so many other problems. It led to three of 14 on third downs, uh, therefore not moving the chains, not extending drives, not getting into the end zone, and ultimately giving yourself a chance to win the game. I mean, I, I think if this unit uh, plays better, then maybe the defense isn't as tired in the fourth quarter. Maybe LSU doesn't rush for 117 yards in the final quarter. Uh, this game just looks so different if they extend a couple of those drives. They had like, I think I counted eight drives of five plays or fewer. Um, what uh, what was your takeaway from State at LSU? I still think State might be the better team of those two. I know that might sound hard to reconcile with the loss, but I think, like you mentioned, there were so many self-inflicted wounds. Mississippi State had one drop in the first two games. They had five on Saturday. Robert Thomas had two. Caleb Ducking had one. Simeon Price had one. And I think Rufus Harvey had one. So you just kind of saw it come from running backs, outside receivers, inside receivers, everybody. And those piled up. They had two drops on two different possessions each. So two and two. I mean, right there, that's enough to kind of sink two second half drives when they were either trying to build the lead or trying to come back. You had the muffed punt by Austin Williams as well. Just a cacophony of mistakes and just enough to really change the outcome of that game. And I still think, like I said, State's the superior team on a neutral field, but I don't know. I don't know if they can be trusted not to make all those mistakes again. Yeah, I'll tell you, that was almost a neutral field, man. <laughs> that, that was the most tame uh, Tiger Stadium environment I think I've, I've seen in a long time. You got to go back to the Curly Hallman days, man. They just they were just kind of there, and there were some empty seats up high, and, and uh, you know, they didn't really uh, engage, I thought, until the uh, the fourth quarter. Uh, Michael, this uh, Georgia Tech game, 
for Ole Miss. I thought it looked like a lot of fun for Ole Miss fans that made the trip, a lot of sunshine and a lot of early touchdowns and defense playing well and all of those things. But you didn't – did you get to really learn anything about the quarterbacks in that game? I mean, obviously uh, Lane didn't land on a starter. Um, what uh, what do you think that situation looks like right now uh, outside of the Georgia Tech game? Um, I think early in the game, Dart kind of looked like the Dart we've seen in the first few games. Um, some really good things and some not so good things. That interception before the half, I know, was really kind of a sticking point uh, with Lane, and and he he admits he kind of chewed Jackson out uh, at halftime about that. Um, but he came out and I think six or seven in that third quarter, three touchdown drives on three. Um, on all three third quarter drives, I, I think, um, you know, is, is it perfect? No, is the timing, is, it's, it, it's all a little bit off, but I do think part of that is because we're comparing it to what we saw last year where things were for the most part, a lot, you know, the, the, it, it was a lot more of a well-oiled machine. Obviously there were times last year, uh, with Matt Corral and, and the, all those injuries and stuff that, uh, you know, didn't look like the well-oiled machine that, you know, maybe did earlier in the year. But um, I, I think I would be really surprised if it ultimately doesn't end up being Jackson just because, um, you know, other than the uh, Central Arkansas game, Luke's only thrown like four passes, you know, it was like two against Troy. And then I think like one or two last week. And uh, yeah, I know obviously part of that is circumstance and um, all that sort of stuff, but um, I don't know if if this was as as wide open as um, it may have been, or may have been at one point, you would think that Luke would be getting more opportunities in some of those games. And of course, could be totally wrong. Maybe Luke starts this game and plays the whole game. Who knows? But um, just from what we've seen so far, I, I, I'd be surprised if, if it wasn't Jackson Dart and um, just all the things that he can do with, with his legs and, and his deep ball throwing. Um, is he a work in progress? Yes, but he's, he's really talented. And, and the offense is, is, is going at a pretty high level. I mean, I know the opponents aren't great, but, 43 points a game is 43 points a game. Um, he's he's getting it, he's he's getting it done for the most part. Well, I'm like you now. If you're going to be a running offense, then I think a running offense is at its best if your quarterback can be part of that. Needs to be part of that. Not all the time. And sometimes uh, sometimes Matt Corral uh, was too aggressive. Sometimes Saturday Jackson Dart was too aggressive. But your quarterback needs to have that ability. It's an odd fit, I think, as we watch these these games begin to play out. It's an odd fit if you have this dominant running team, but your quarterback really isn't a threat to do that, and everybody knows it. You know that's that that's going to be odd. That's going to work against uh, uh, Altmaier here in this competition long term, and I don't know how much longer it's going to go on because eventually. You know, you're just – I think you're going to have to commit more to Dart. Uh, we don't know what kind of practice reps he's getting. Uh, maybe that commitment's being made there right now. Um, but I think you're going to have to see that in public and, and in the game and build his confidence and really really get the team behind him. Uh, 
just uh, interesting that that we've gone this far into the season. Yeah, the games really are beginning to roll off quickly, and uh, we're still having this quarterback conversation at Ole Miss. Rebels ran the ball 77% of the time against Georgia Tech. I don't think that is uh, sustainable. Uh, Theo, Mississippi State, how do you think they respond? Do you think they come out and play clean and efficient against Bowling Green? Do you think they respond to the challenge of basically being called soft by their head coach? I believe the word was fragile. What uh, type of team do you think we see emotionally? I think they'll be clean. I think it's a Bowling Green team that's going to give them not as much reason as LSU did not to be. I think they're talented enough, certainly, to have a clean game, get out to an early lead, kind of put Bowling Green away, especially at home, playing at home for the first time in three weeks. I think they're going to need to do that just in order to get the crowd back into the make uh, erase kind of the doubts they had maybe after the LSU game, at least for now. I think if they can get out to an early lead, I think they'll have no trouble playing clean football. And even if they're a little sloppy, I think it would take a lot for them to be sloppy enough to actually go out and lose. So whether or not I think they'll play clean is interesting. You mentioned Leach calling them fragile. This is a pretty good test to see if he was right. You know, and fragile is really a, a strange way to be, a strange place for this team right now. I know that Mike Leach gets hung up on uh, we're not old. We're experienced, but we're not old. And I just I can't uh, go down that road there uh, with Mike because you're experienced. And, and from experience should come confidence and from confidence – uh, a, a strength in your mentality, uh, something the opposite of fragile. But they really did not respond well to adversity at LSU, again, in an environment that I thought was pretty tame uh, as LSU games in Baton Rouge often go. Um, it's interesting. What position do you think uh, might take the greatest uh, step forward this week? I think wide receivers after all the drops – I know one of those was a running back, but I still think Leach has called for more consistency and more physicality with the wide receivers, especially when they're dropping passes like that. I think he said after this game in the Arizona game, he hasn't really seen that yet. And I think that's a place where Mississippi State has the talent to be able to have that physicality and that consistency, which, of course, is Mike Leach's maybe favorite word right now, consistency. I think, you know, Rara Thomas is – Pretty raw, of course, as a sophomore, but he's their leading receiver. Caleb Ducking also kind of new to catching passes and playing, you know, starting. They have, you know, Williams and Jaden Wally, who haven't been used as much. They're trying to get Tula Griffin on the field more. I think wide receiver could be a place where Mississippi State can step up, especially against a Bowling Green team that allows something like 340 yards a game uh, passing. They were hurt against Eastern Kentucky. Marshall didn't really throw the football as much, but I think Mississippi State can exploit that matchup with Bowling Green's passing defense. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, we are hitting the SEC part of the season now. Uh, of course, Ole Miss won't have another non-conference game after this weekend. I know State has uh, East Tennessee State uh, coming up later, but it's a really it's a brutal October coming up for Mississippi State now. While we think this team is better and has improved, uh, we thought that before the LSU game. So have other teams. And Arkansas and Kentucky right now, we're talking about top 10 teams. And State's got an October 
with uh, both of those teams, plus Texas A&M and, uh, and Alabama. So it's it's really coming up. Uh, let's talk about the SEC for a little bit. Uh, what has uh, surprised you guys? I don't think anybody is surprised that Georgia is winning football games, but maybe surprised at, at how dominant they have looked. What do you all think? I am surprised. They did lose a lot. And to see them just go out and manhandle Oregon 49-3 in that first game and keep it rolling, even on the road at South Carolina, I think that was huge for them. Just being able to show that their offense is much improved from last year, I think, if not just the, the same. And maybe the defense lost a step, but they're still – I think they've allowed, what, three points, seven points, ten points this year, something like that. And, and they lost so much in defense. And, and like, uh, you know, players that you fought or at least were described as almost generational talents last uh, last year along that uh, defensive line. Uh, Stetson Bennett, I think a lot of people know his story, a former walk-on and all that. Now he's being uh, – Mentioned not only as a program quarterback, but uh, as a, a possible Heisman contender. Uh, Michael, what are your takeaways, man? I, I see you're sticking with Auburn. You're not, uh, you, you didn't get bothered that they let you down against Penn State. Uh, what are your early takeaways from the conference? Uh, my biggest one is that Auburn is, is maybe really bad. Um, and so I think this game against Missouri is going to be. Just and like no offense, Theo, I think it's going to be perhaps a really gross game, um, regardless of how it goes. I, 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 yeah, it's, I don't know. I, I, I thought that like Auburn at home would count for something, but apparently it did not count for anything. Um, and now apparently their starting quarterback might be out. He wasn't playing that well anyway. Um, but it's uh, things are with everything that's happened at Auburn over the last like eight months, there's just, there's, it's, it's a messy situation. I'm not sure how that thing ends up. The other thing I'm like, I don't know if shocked is the word, but like, what is Texas A&M? It's, it's this, it's this, like the greatest recruiting classes ever. And then it's scoring like 10 points and then they come and beat Miami. And it's like, I I don't, I don't know what they are. Um, I, 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 other than that, I guess it was the COVID year. So 2020 when they almost made the playoff, I think they were like nine and one or whatever they were. Like we haven't really seen that like Jimbo Fisher, Florida state E kind of team. And like, you know, the ones that were just dominant um, the ones that could score a lot of points and played really good defense. I- I'm not sure like what Texas A&M is. And uh, I know his contract is insane and like they're on the hook with him for like a decade. Um, but I have to imagine, like, if this thing doesn't at least get more aesthetically pleasing, it's going to start rubbing some people the wrong way because I think the expectations have just been really, really high, and it just hasn't really been there yet. I don't think another dollar here or there matters too much to Texas A&M people who, uh, if if they can uh, come of a mind and, and be united in the belief that they need to make a change with their football coach, and I don't think that's where this is right now. But uh, if they skip merrily along this path of losing to uh, Appalachian states uh, very often, yeah, that they'll get there in a hurry. Uh, did they change quarterbacks this week? I forgot to go back and check. Do you all know there was that uh, report? That came- yeah, it, it was uh, – I think Max Johnson started last week in that okay. game against Miami. He's obviously the former LSU quarterback. It is, it is always entertaining to see like, oh, I remember him like three different schools ago. That's just kind of where we are now because everybody can play – 
uh, everywhere. And everybody, uh, a lot of people tend to play it at multiple schools. But, yeah, I, I believe it's still Max Johnson. Well, you know, JT Daniels is like the the poster child for the uh, freedom of movement in college football these days. I, I saw. Have I ever told you guys that I covered him when he was in Pop Warner? <laughs> I, I interviewed him. Story. I, I interviewed him when he was in seventh grade. Uh, he had just won the Pee Wee like Super Bowl, which apparently is a thing. Um, and I met with him and his dad, um, out in Southern California. And, and I was he like, said, I, I'm going to leave this, uh, pop Warner and I'm going to play at uh, USC, Georgia and West Virginia. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know if that was the plan quite then, but it is just really funny to like, think back that like, yeah, that well, was, uh, I, I was, I was interviewing middle schoolers back in the day. Well, it, it happens. I think we've all been there, uh, in, in this day and age though, man, it's almost like, uh, you know, you want to ask uh, high school kids, okay, who are you signing with? And then what's your transfer plan? You know, what, what's, what's going to be your second school? Because you know, we, we see so much of that right now, freedom of movement uh, and everything. Uh, Auburn has been not a surprise, but just it's different. It's different to see Auburn not competitive uh, in a game like that against, uh, against Penn State. And it, and it will be as uh, – Michael says, uh, I think not uh, high-quality football there against Missouri. Uh, no offense, Theo. But uh, anyway, tell me, Theo, tell me about Missouri, man. Are they uh, are they better? This is uh, Eli Drinkwitz's third year? No, they do not look better. They should have beaten Abilene Christian and FCS team um, by more than they did, which was, let's see, 34-17. I mean, you got to win by more than that. Lost at Kansas State by 28. They're just not very good. And I was going to say, in 2015, my freshman year, I watched them go on the road against Georgia. They returned an interception to the one on the very first drive, and they settled for a field goal. They lost 9-6. to six. I'm expecting that kind of game against Auburn this week. Well, I'll tell you, I have enjoyed, uh, I have enjoyed my few trips to Missouri. I, I like that stadium. It's different. I, I like the open end zone. I, I think it's, it's nice when they, uh, you know, pack people in that, uh, that grassy area there. And uh, it's different design, man, that, uh, that bigger side, the home side is, it, it seems so vertical as opposed to that vertical and slight, uh, you know, how you, how you slightly move farther from the playing field. Interesting. It's an interesting design, and I have uh, enjoyed my trips there. So anyway, State and Ole Miss both getting uh, about to really crank up here in SEC play. I, I know October doesn't look quite as daunting for Ole Miss with uh, Vanderbilt uh, on the schedule coming up. But, man, that, uh, that October for Mississippi State, uh, we're talking Texas A&M, which we still don't know about. They're going to have talent, you know, so you you have to approach it from that perspective. Uh, then Arkansas, both those games in Starkville. Then they go to Kentucky, and then they finish October with Alabama. So if there was going to be uh, a big season for Mississippi State, uh, they were going to have to navigate that path, and that's still the case. But the prospect of navigating that path and this team coming out big season, I mean, nine wins uh that that's a lot more a lot more difficult now so. definitely yeah I think you know if you can win two of those four October games you'll be pretty happy I know that means two more losses to the schedule but 
if State can beat, you know, two of AM, Arkansas, Kentucky, and Alabama, maybe just firstly, I don't think they're beating Alabama, but that's a pretty good October given the schedule. I tell you what, I don't think they're going to beat Alabama, but what I want to see is can Ole Miss and Mississippi State get closer to Alabama, be more competitive in that game. I, I know. Get your popcorn ready. Yeah, get your popcorn ready. I, I know there was hype for that that Ole Miss game, but man, it just uh, they took the air out of that fast in Tuscaloosa, and then uh, the state game, forty nine to nine. Can these? Yeah, you know, it's kind of like the mark of uh, are these programs really better? Uh, can they be competitive in that game? Can they threaten? Uh, can they threaten Alabama? You know, we'll see. Uh, maybe Alabama commits a lot of penalties. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe it's not the same Alabama team. It. Uh, didn't look that way against Texas. Folks, that'll wrap us up for this edition of Justify Your Existence, where we talk Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and the SEC. For Michael Katz and Theo DeRosa, I am Parrish Alford. Come and join us next week.